Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Letterboxd Recap from Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. This is the episode where we go over what we've been watching over the past week. How are you doing, Jim? How you? How's your movie watching life been going the past week? It's been going well. I only have five logged. <laughs> Those are some rookie numbers. But they're all bangers. That's the thing. I, I watch nothing but bangers, so it's been a good week. And so basically, starting with June 13th, uh, I, well, I just want to say, I've been having a lot of fun with the posters on Letterboxd. Yeah, I, I, I saw I, that on the, I main, customized, on the main page. So my four, I changed my four favorites. I'm going to change the four favorites like every couple of weeks, but I changed them to all blue posters. So there's like this cool, you know, connective color for them all. I, I kind of like want to mix like up it. my favorites too. Isn't it, it looks nice. So right now I have the Dark Knight, three colors, blue, heat, and the thing. And I chose blue versions of all the posters. Although, I mean, all the blue posters are blue, but... Um, I think it looks nice. I've seen people having color coordination on their profiles, and I was like, you know what? I want to do that. So now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do blue for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to do uh, – I have some picked out for like a yellow beige one. Like the Handmaiden has a beautiful yellow one, so I'm going to change it to yellow. I was I had red. Did you the watch The Handmaiden week. recently? No, just just fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like. It. I think it looks cool. How much does it cost to upgrade to the other other account, the other um, subscription to the patron account? Yeah, it's like because um, I'm not a pro. It's just a monthly. Oh, so it's one year for fifty bucks. Yeah, fifty bucks for the year. Yeah, it's not. Oh, much. I'm signing up it's for that. Much. I'm just totally signing up for that right now. Yeah, do it, man. The, it's fun to change the posters. It's funny every time I see like someone's review, and I'll, I I like to read as many people's reviews as I can in. Um, every time I see one, I, I always change the poster. I'm like, oh, I'm going to change that poster. <laughs> oh, here's this movie. I haven't changed this movie's poster. So it becomes a fun game. Um, and then it's interesting to see. There's also international posters you can choose from for certain movies. And so you can see, like, there's, like, a cool Japanese version or, or a cool, like, Italian version or whatever. All right. So I just, I literally just signed up for it. Nice. Now I'm on Matrix. They got you. So now I'm going to select a really cool poster. Oh, man, there's so many good I have ones. The I have the mirror one. Him in the mirror. There's an awesome one of him dodging the bullets. I'm definitely picking that. That is that is sick. That is a sick poster. Oh, mm -hmm. man. It, it almost has like the, the look of Rosemary's Baby. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. See? Oh, yeah. Kind of like this, the, the green, green silhouette. Yeah. That is a sick-ass post. I got to find that online. That's so cool. It's a silhouette of Neo Dodging the bullets backwards with green smoke in the mm -hmm. the Matrix coat in the background. Very cool. What's interesting is some of them are obviously uh, produced by the company. I mean, alternate posters for different markets are always different from American posters. Um, just because marketing styles in different countries vary. So the way they'll market a poster is completely different from the way we will. So there's always variations. What? But this letterbox is also... It, they also use... Fan posters sometimes too, like they're posters that weren't made by the studio or the marketing department. But it's clear, I'm sure they may maybe ask permission from whatever artist made it. Sometimes you'll see like like fun fan art posters, and they'll be in the options as well, which is cool. Yeah. So I just changed my Gladiator one also. 
to this great poster of Maximus. What's my gladiator one? He's bent down on the on the sand of the Colosseum with the with the shield. Oh, look at this! It's sick. Oh, I have this one with him just holding the shield, ready to fucking fight. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that. Yeah, um, and then all right, let me change my Godfather. Whoa, part Gladiator is only a four <laughs> on Letterbox. Yeah, I'm changing my Godfather Part Two poster. Let's see what we got. Oh, they got Vito. They have young the, Vito. Yeah, That's yeah. Great. I have that one with the uh, plants and stuff outside. Oh, the Vito shot of him as he, he's a young boy in the orphanage with the Statue of Liberty out the window. That is a great shot. That's gorgeous. Wow, some of these are really. Incredible. You're already hooked. <laughs> Great. <laughs> they already got you. I think I'm gonna change it to Young Vito in his little orphanage. Young Vito when he gets back on Ellis Island. That's gorgeous. All right, and then I'll change my alien poster. I'm just doing my four top favorites. Four. So this is your top four. Yeah, I'm changing them. Oh, right wow. now. I'll, I'll see it. I'll refresh then, it on your page live. Oh man, these alien ones are sick. <laughs> There's like a cliche like action one of her in her underwear and tank top being chased by the xenomorph. <laughs> um, what else do we got? Xenomorph. Xenomorph. I think Ripley with her suit on. I've I've uh, the profile of her wearing the. Yeah, I think the, I'm gonna switch to that. Uh, yeah, that Matrix cool. one is cool. That is yeah, the Matrix one is sick. All right, so I've changed my four favorites. That's a good top four, bro. And so, can you change any poster that you review? Is that how it works? Just any poster. Just any poster. So you just click on it. You hit the buttons on the top. So I'm on a movie like I'm on Asteroid City because yeah. I recently did it. Top right, change poster. Okay, change. I see. That's it. And so whenever you view it, so so the when you look at someone's review, or you look at the someone's page, you'll see what they selected for their poster version. Gotcha. But then when you look at it yourself, it'll be the custom one you chose. Capito. I but see. If, so it depends on if you're on someone's profile or on someone's review. That's cool. Which like is cool because then you could see what poster they selected. Oh man, this is a, I'm gonna be doing this all day. <laughs> I should have signed up for the yep. Patreon account it's, it's earlier. It's addicting. It's addicting. Oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm going through all of them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're trying to record and you're doing it. <laughs> it's fun. This is a good time. <laughs> anyways, anyways, yeah, let's, all right. get, let's get to what we've been watching this week. So you have five movies, but you said they were all bangers. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies this past week. So. All bangers or no? Oh, all bangers, man! All right, let's start with my our first watch, which I we did. To, we watched the same movie, same yeah. movie on the same day, but I watched it in my movie theater in my bedroom, and you watched it in your in your room, w- without a movie theater. <laughs> I could, so I could feel some like I don't know. It just feels a little like you're attacking me for not I, having a movie. It theater. sounds like you're insecure about <laughs> not having a movie theater in your bedroom, Anthony. We watched Lady Bird because we just did an episode on it yesterday. You gotta check it out. So I gave this four and a half stars. Came out in 2017. And I would love to read my review because I, I would I, love to hear your review. I really love this movie. Lady Bird is an absolutely delightful and highly relatable coming-of-age teen dramedy that hits me straight in the nostalgia bone like nothing else. I also went to Catholic high school, also in the early 2000s, also trying to find my path in life. Watching this film is like hopping in a time machine for me. Surface themes of family, acceptance, and friendship cleverly mask the deeper themes of happiness versus success, the hierarchies of privilege, and war. Greta Gerwig's directorial debut solidified her as one of the most exciting new voices behind the camera in Hollywood. Podcast review next week, but it posted yesterday. Nice review. Hierarchies of power. Yeah, well, hierarchies Hierarchies of privilege. privilege, I talked about that in the episode because I think Greta shows that really well. See, that's insightful. Yeah. You, uh, You misspelled her name in our episode today. Autocorrect, man. It wrote, well, I mean, it wrote wrote Great Gerwig. It wrote Great Gerwig. I mean, if anything, like, (laughs) no, but. That's something where whenever I try to write Greta, it always changes it to great. 
It's just one of those. Yeah, it's one things. of those things. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's, it depends on where you're typing stuff because, especially with Letterbox, the autocorrect in Letterbox, I feel like doesn't pick doesn't, up on it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not. They don't have a sophisticated system. Yeah, really. it's just, I don't know what it is. But then, yeah. and then even when we upload to Spotify, the autocorrect isn't always perfect as well. Especially they don't all have Apple software. Yeah, especially in there. with with names and pronouns, it'll obviously it, it missed that because mm-hmm. I definitely typed out Greta. I'm sure you did because I've I've seen that change happen a, a bunch of times. Oh, Juno's in here. Yeah. he's in been chilling. <laughs> <laughs> He's exploring. Hey, Gina. But um, yeah, Great Gerwig. Great, Great Gerwig. I mean, it's not a bad <laughs> nickname. All right, I also gave Lady, Lady Bird four and a half stars. And I wrote, when we're young, we want to fit in. We want to please our parents. We want to find love. We want to figure out our future. We want to be seen. Lady Bird is a wonderful depiction of the trials and tribulations of being a wayward teenager. This charming, heartfelt, and endlessly relatable coming-of-age tale served as a big coming out for writer and director Greta Gerwig, also known as Great Gerwig, as a new voice for her generation. <laughs> as someone who both went to Catholic high school and has a large dysfunctional family, I deeply connected the world and the characters of this tale and always find myself cracking up at the infectious comedy. I love this film. Cute. All right, what's next, Jim? Well, huh, we can talk about labor for, yeah, yeah. for a minute or two. Even though well, I mean, there's, we just posted a whole yeah, episode we just posted on it. it. Yeah. Okay, actually, we did just post a whole episode <laughs> on it. So if you want more thoughts on, yeah. on Lady Bird... <laughs> Go on every account we have, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon Music, Google. I love that Amazon Music. Hey, we get 0.02% of our downloads there, man. Some people are listening. Some people listen there. Hey, you listening to Amazon Music. Thank you. There's a few. There's a few. We appreciate them. But um, it was an awesome, awesome episode because we've dabbled in Lady Bird. We did a great coming-of-age episode back in like 2021, I think we did. Lady Bird, Call Him By Your Name, and Moonlight. But obviously, we're going to give... Every one of those, their own singular attention. But, you know, we're starting off with Lady Bird, and it was, it was really great to revisit it and talk about it again. I love it. It's, it's a great movie. It's awesome. All right, moving on to the same day mm, whoa, I watched double feature. another movie. It was actually a watch party movie. It was Spider-Man 2. We did it on the Discord. We watched it with a, a bunch of friends on the Discord. It was, a, it was a blast. That was a good one. And I gave it five stars, obviously. I think this is the—actually, my review is just one sentence. The best Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I also wrote something similar, and then uh, <laughs> I wrote I had five star review, and I said the best Spider-Man movie of all time. Yes, I said it. Si- <laughs> and then uh, the what do you call it? Like that side eye look with the smirk. Smirk. You say it. Yeah, Smirky sure. face. Jacob wrote unsubscribed, <laughs> and then I- Isaac wrote nostalgia merchant unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> nostalgia merchant. Owen Laplavi. Raindrops keep falling on my head. Britain wrote. Pizza Time is masterclass writing. <laughs> uh, Ryan Roberts wrote, Film is subjective, but this opinion is objectively wrong. Unsubscribed. <laughs> Tall Headache wrote, 100%. I mean, Spider-Man 2. I mean, and, you know, the CGI still holds up. And Oh, Isaac wrote, oh boy, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> the action sequences in this movie are still, I think, some of the best we've ever had in the superhero genre. Peter. <laughs> Peter. 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 It's when he's like, uh... He's like uh, dying. He's like Peter, <laughs> Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I I love this movie. I think it's perfect for it's a perfect adaptation for a comic book character into film. And the Doc Ock sequences, the fight sequences, still hold up. Dude, that terrific. train sequence is incredible. Not even just, not even just train sequence. The skyscraper sequence, yeah, it's great. Leading too. to the train sequence, it's it's phenomenal. I love his use of reflections in the film too. Um, and it's always a highlight when you see the transitions he'll do from from edit to edit using reflections. First, the first one you see is when Doc Ock's wife gets killed by the glass, and you see her reflection in the glass as it's flying towards her. 
and then it cuts, and it's like, oh my god, that was great. But then also the reflection of Spidey flying through New York, and then we realize it's it's he pulls out from the sunglasses of Doc Ock. You're like, oh my god, that was insane. So there's a, there's a few other shots like that, and it's just really I love the transitional editing he uses. Yeah, it's a it's a great movie. It's huge in the genre. I mean. The reveal at the end for Mary Jane that Peter is Spider-Man, that was just, holy crap. Like, I, I feel like a lot of youngins, no! I think a lot of youngins really missed out on seeing this in theaters, and, and I think it's a really special movie. Maybe that's why they don't have it number one if they're, you know, in their teens, maybe early 20s, maybe didn't see it in theaters or don't remember it too well. Because this was an incredible movie theater experience, this one for sure. It blew my mind. I remember the reveal. Like, I got goosebumps in the theater. I still get goosebumps at the reveal. I was like, oh my god. (gasps) She sees him! This is really heavy. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect superhero movie. All right. Moving on to... What you got next? Two days later on June 15th, I watched The Thing. Oh, yeah. And you watched it last night, I believe, because we are doing an episode on The Thing next week, finally covering John Carpenter's masterpiece, Obviously gave this five stars because it's The Thing. Now, my review. The Thing is the ultimate genre-mashing masterpiece. It's a horror, sci-fi, whodunit, alien movie that would turn Airbud into a therapy animal. <laughs> John Carpenter is a master of suspense and expertly crafts a story that leaves the audience on the edge of their seat until credits roll. The body, of ho- the body horror of the 1980s has a special quality of surrealism and campiness that is more effective for storytelling than any CGI you'll see today. Ennio Morricone's ominous score builds gradual tension until the finale of Fire. Kurt Russell is a beard and hair god. End review. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so good, man. It's so good. I'll I'll talk about it when I get to it, because it's the last thing I watched this week. Man, I I fucking love that movie. (laughs) So next up, I watched uh, an amazing Chinese action film that I hadn't seen since I was a teenager called Hard Boiled. It stars Chow Yun-Fat and Tony Leung. Now, this movie is about... It's kind of just... It's kind of like Infernal Affairs and Departed, where one... One's uh, Chow Yun Fat plays this hard boiled cop. He's like the ultimate action cop. Like he he'll there's a scene where he like he alone takes on like an army of bad guys, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and they can't do shit to him. It's great. Um, and Tony Lung is he's uh, he's uh, working for the law enforcement behind enemy lines as uh, a member of the gang, and nobody knows it except for like one guy, and then Chow Yun Fat's character discovers it, and then they team up to take them on. But it. It's so incredible. The action is insane. It was directed by John Woo, who's like an action god. He made movies like Face Off, Mission Impossible 2, which obviously is the weakest, but it's still got great action. Um, it, if you've seen his movies, there are often doves flying around. <laughs> he likes doves. Uh, not in this movie, a, though. Always a shot somewhere. This is before he was doing that, but this is just a great shoot 'em up. All practical stunts. Like, there's so much mayhem and explosions and, and wreckage and. Man, it's just incredible to behold. Just like, and there's this is also famous for it's gotten an incredible long take of an action sequence of the two of them moving through a hospital, and they actually use go through different floors using an elevator. It's all one take, but just like the precision of the blocking because they're shooting people, they're using different guns, there's explosions, they're destroying sets, and the one take is just really incredible to behold to see that done for real. It's about four minutes, um, and it's just really impressive. Um, I love the film, so I wrote, action, shootouts, mayhem, 
babies because they there's a there's there's a hospital there's a bunch of babies that have to be um saved <laughs> it's really funny hard-boiled is the epitome of action and clearly paved the way for modern shoot 'em ups i've never seen so many people dive across rooms while firing guns and i love every second of it <laughs> two superstar actors and a directing legend always make this an enjoyable watch um so it's i'm not kidding there's probably 50 shots of people diving across a room while firing a gun. It's insane. It's so funny. <laughs> they do that more than they do standing up, just standing shooting guns. They're always <laughs> jumping. It's great. Oh, my God. I got to check it out. It sounds awesome. It's You would love it, man. Sounds really awesome. All right. Moving on to... But I'm uh, four, oh, and half, four and a half stars. I don't think I said the rating. Four and a half stars. Yeah, you got to get that in there, man. Mm-hmm. Where where'd you watch it? Just streamed it like illegally? Criterion. Oh, Criterion? Yeah. Criterion Collection, everybody. Yeah, they, they have a lot of uh, actually Chinese action movies. They have a lot of old Jackie Chan movies, a lot of Michelle Yeoh movies. They do a great job. They have they have so much on there. I love that. I love that account. I, my, one of my all time dreams is to be invited to the Criterion, the Criterion closet. closet. That would be a dream. All right, moving on to so that, that Michael Ma- that Michael Shannon meme that's been going around. That's him in the closet. A, yeah, I know. I'm a special. <laughs> I'm such a happy a lucky boy, boy. Lucky boy. Thank you for this. <laughs> <laughs> I saw another clip from it. He's uh. Oh, being John Alkovich. I, I just, just watched, I just I just watched, watched that. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, he, he seems very wholesome. Yeah, very wholesome, yeah. For, even though he plays like the most fucked up character sometimes. <laughs> it's true. All right, moving on to a really amazing experience watching. We watched together. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the New Beverly Cinema in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's theater that he bought several years ago. Projected on 35 millimeter film, and what an experience this was! One of my favorite theater experiences in the last couple of years. I was so happy watching this film, and I've seen it like six times now. And I really think it's just it gets better every time. It's like it's like it's like seeing an old friend. And I, I just really I've always said that Inglorious Bastards is his best film, just from a production standpoint, filmmaking standpoint, story, screenplay. But man, this one is. Every time I watch them, it gets higher and higher on my rankings for Tarantino's best film, in my opinion. And I'd love to read my five-star review. But you goddamn fucking imbiss! <laughs> Had the honor of seeing this projected on 35-millimeter film. And I gotta say, Tarantino's ninth film gets better with every watch. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood feels like seeing an old best friend. You laugh your ass off, reminisce about the good old days, and then you, touch, and then you torch a hippie in a pool. <laughs> After seeing this six times since its release... This is seriously in contention as QT's best movie for me. I've always felt that Inglourious Bastards was untouchable, but fuck, this movie is perfect. I can't think of a better opening 60 minutes in a film or a better third act. I mean, the first hour is just so goddamn entertaining. It's great. And fun. Yeah. The characters are incredible. And there's so much debate of who's the lead of this movie. It's it's Cliff versus Rick Dalton. Rick Dalton's the lead. Yeah, yeah. You know, but what I love about the characters, and we're going to do an episode on this in a couple weeks, is... They don't really like change too much, and and Rick Dalton's just the same character throughout. He's just kind of like a mess, getting his life together. He somewhat. changes somewhat. He gets his confidence back, kind of. Yeah, kind definitely. of. Definitely, I guess. And then he works like he gets invited to the Polanski. Yeah, party. yeah, yeah, yeah. He changes. Well, Cliff he, doesn't. He has change. to torch the hippie to get, yeah. to get that. But um, it's but you but <laughs> I guess I didn't mean it like that. But I mean. I, I just love the characters. I just tore so. your, your theory apart. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but like... And then when he does well in that scene with the girl, it gives him his confidence back. No, but he comes back from Italy. He's still a mess. He's like, my career's over. Like, <laughs> I'm fucked. 
No, he doesn't think that. Yes, he does. He no. even says to Rick, he's like, it's over, buddy. Like, we're done. I'm going to sell my house and get a condo because I have nothing left. No, it's just because he's got a wife now. He's got more things to spend money he, on. His, he literally says his career is over. No, he doesn't. Kurt Russell's narration says that. No, he says it's up in the air. It's, dude, I'm just, all right, we're not going to say his career's over. He thinks his career's over. That's all I'm saying is that even though. I know, I I disagree. I'm just saying I, the way I see it is he's unsure about the future. Yeah, he's unsure, but he's also going to sell his house. He's definitely not as bad as he was at the start of the film where he's having a panic attack in the parking lot and crying. He's having a panic attack practically when they get it's, home. It's the uncertainty of the future that's because he's the problem. spent all his money in Yeah, in exactly. Rome. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> hey, we should have different interpretations. I know, but, um. I think that it's a perfect movie, and goddamn, it's just better every time. I love it. Here's my review. I gave it five stars as well, obviously. And here we, it says, goddamn hippies aren't, that's for sure. <laughs> I just love that line. And then I wrote, movies like this will never be made again. Soak it in. And what I mean by that is you're never going to see, an, uh, except for his last film, which will probably have scenes like this because it's set in Hollywood again. You're just never going to see a filmmaker on this scale be able to just have 20 minutes of characters driving in in their cars. And what I mean by that is to see the intricacies of the characters. Not not just like scenes where they're the most interesting scenes or the plot-heavy scenes of a story, of a film, where things are actually happening. But in this movie, you see so much driving and so much just living and doing things that aren't related to plot at all. And that's the only Tarantino can really get away with that because of who he is and his status in Hollywood. Because you you can make a movie like that, but not for a hundred million dollars and building a '70s version of Sunset Boulevard. You know what I mean? And it's a rarity, and we're not going to see the movies like this anymore after his last film. And especially for L.A., part of life in L.A. is you drive a lot. If you're going to see someone or you're going out, you're going to drive across the city. You're going to take the 101. You're going to take the 5. Whatever. Stewart, where Stewart, do you Stewart, Hopping on the 101, the 405. And Tarantino knows that. You get a, you get When you go to someone's house, you're driving through the hills. And that's depicted so much in this film. Um, but th- that's just examples, a few examples of like what Tarantino put in this film to really add so much depth to the characters and to really, really lets us enter their worlds. Because generally movies, will, the, the scenes are just like what's pertaining to the plot, what's important, what's moving the story forward. Um, driving cl- driving Cliff, driving Rick home and then, and then Cliff driving to Van Nuys to his home, that's not really pertaining to the plot at all, but it's just, it adds so much um, to the character and really lets us enter the world and make us, us feel like we're there with them. Tarantino is the only one who can do that right now. Yeah, I mean, f- for that kind of sequence in a movie, for sure. I, I feel like PTA is pretty pretty good about it. He's got some good driving sequences in cars. Not not every movie, but I think he does a good job. But yeah, I mean, I think those two are kind of in their own world of the style of filmmaking just from the past that really no one else is really doing besides them two. It just feels just like that old style, and I can't wait for Tarantino's next film, but... His movies, anytime put them on, it's they get better every with every single watch, and they they age so well. And dude, once upon a time, technically from a production standpoint, this movie is so well made. He's <laughs> operating on so many levels of of inside jokes that he's setting up early on, and just great camera movement, <clears throat> incredible shots, and yeah, it's Robert so Richardson's detailed, amazing too. There's so much detail yeah. in this movie; it's it's absurd. It's so rich, 
And that's why I think it might, might be his best movie because of how detailed it is. And there's so much on every shot, every frame, every scene. There's so much happening on the background, on the set, with the characters, the dialogue. It's all connected. It's terrific. It Great really editing, too. It's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, it might be his most fun movie to watch. I had a blast. Dude, it's hysterical. I had a blast. It's such a funny movie. You know what's cool about the new Bev? Uh, when you use the restroom, it's, they actually have a speaker playing it in the restroom, so yeah. you're not missing anything. They play the, the audio of yeah. the movie. I was taking a piss, and I was like, I, it was like there's a speaker above your head playing the audio. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I know what's going on right Same. now. Because that, that was the first time I've I've had to use the bathroom at, Same. while watching a movie It was there. the wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also almost a three-hour movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I had, to, I had to go at some point, too. But it, that's a nice touch that they do there where they play the, the audio of the movie in the restrooms. That's really great. All right, how many more do you oh, have left? So Ethan wrote a good one. He wrote, uh, I mean, he has another movie coming out, so technically a movie like this will be made again. Unsubscribed. <laughs> Kill me. That's good. How many you got left? I got one, three left. All right, you do two in a row because I, I only have one more left. I would love to. So I watched this Japanese film from 1985 called Tempopo. Which is, I, I've been meaning to watch it for a while. It's been on my watch list um, because it's centered upon ramen. And I love ramen. <laughs> it's one of the fucking best things in the world. And it's the, one of the most charming, delightful movies I've ever seen. It's about this this uh, woman. She's a widower. Her, father, her husband recently passed away. And her husband ran and operated a ramen shop. But um, now it's just her and, their, and her son. And so she's taking over the ramen shop to keep them afloat basically, but she doesn't know how to cook. She never was involved in the process of it. And so she's trying to make a ramen shop, but she just keeps failing and failing and she can't get anything right. And then <clears throat> groups of a, a series of events um, connects her with a, a few men, and each, each one of them is kind of like an expert of different aspects of ramen, and they, they take it among, upon themselves to, to join her business and try to help her business and, and aid her in whatever way she needs. So they're they're trying to figure out the perfect broth. They're trying to figure out the perfect kinds of noodles, how to slice the pork, and so and also they're discovering and, and they're kind of just like they're visiting famous ramen shops to try and see what they're doing and like spying on them and trying to get secrets from them. Uh, it's it's just really funny as well. It's charming. It's it's got great humor. Um, Ken Watanabe is in it. He's like twenty two. Five minutes into the movie, I'm like. Is that Ken Watanabe? <laughs> and I, I was like, oh shit, it is. It was funny to see. I've never seen him so young in a movie. Um, but and then the lead actress is just really fantastic. But there's also what's interesting. Um, there's like a series of like kind of short narratives films that are interspersed throughout the film, and they each showcase different, um, different aspects to cuisine. Um, some of them are about <clears throat> how people behave in Japan depending on what they're eating, um, and etiquette when you're eating in public. And it has, has play, playful twists on that. And also there's also another storyline, a little subplot, where you see like a minute of these two scenes, of these two character scenes. There's about four or five of them. But this, this couple, one guy's, it's, the guy's a gangster and the woman is, in, is, is, her, is her, um, his girlfriend. And they're constantly like be, being intimate while eating. And connecting food with sensual carnal desires, mm -hmm. and it's really cool. Um, I, I love those scenes as well. So the director connects um, food to sex in a lot of ways, which is fun. Food can be very sensual, and it is. Yeah, there's a scene in this movie 
where they're just I don't want to spoil it, but it, it was like I was like, damn, that was that was pretty hot. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> it, it involves an egg yolk. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but you should check it out. You'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so my review is infectiously charming and sensual. This cuisine driven Japanese film made me insatiably hungry while watching the delightful story unfold. The film follows Tempopo. So Tempopo means um dandelion, the flower. So that's the the woman's name. And so they end up calling the ramen shop Tempo Tempopo Ramen. And her exploits while trying to create the perfect ramen ex- restaurant. An eclectic cast of characters come to her aid as bountiful amounts of noodles and broth are crafted, tested, and then crafted again. The film also weaves a few short stories throughout the narrative which connect food with our other most carnal desire. As well as challenging the behaviors we exhibit in different eating environments. I adored this new this movie. Now I need ramen! <laughs> 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 what's the fun, what's the hungriest you've ever been after watching a movie? The hungriest I've ever been? Honestly, I was starving after this movie. Um, I was really hungry after the sh- after the menu. Um, you didn't get a burger with me. I didn't. You just too. You just. I was deficiting. Too, you were oh ca- caloric deficiting. Yeah, I was deficiting. I was just like, bro, you, yeah. You were like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> Um, I went all by myself. Chef, I would say chef. The grilled cheese, the the cubanos, the pasta he makes for Scarjo. Yeah, that like, oh my god, that carbonara. pasta. Yeah, that pasta looks amazing. Yeah, he was car- carbonara. I think he makes carbonara. Maybe, yeah. I'm trying to remember. But yeah, fantastic. And then my next film is Asteroid City, which we just saw in theaters yesterday. I gave it four and a half stars. I loved it. So I wrote, <clears throat> Wes Anderson returns to form with the latest entry in his one of a kind filmography. This is the West I love. There's truly never been a director like him, and Asteroid City is a reminder that his inventive filmmaking and creative energy set him apart from any others. Asteroid City is Wes Anderson's version of Close Encounters and features his regular cast of players, plus some excellent newcomers to his world. Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Tom Hanks, Maya Hawk, and Rupert Friend fit perfectly into Wes Anderson's style, and his longtime collaborators deliver the goods like always. The production design of this should be a contender for the Oscar come February as Anderson and his team built a wonderful oasis of space watching in the middle of nowhere. Whereas the French dispatch was stunning yet difficult to keep up with, Asteroid City is a much more streamlined story with great use of magic realism and theatrics. What matters most in his great films is the heart behind their shiny exteriors and this film has a great amount of heart and love sprinkled throughout. Ultimately, as this film clearly states, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep, or you can't live if you don't let go. Great review. Thanks. Yeah, that's excellent. I also, that was my last movie I watched, was Asteroid City. And what post did you pick? I, I used the black and green uh, spaceship one. I did um, the kid flying on the on the, on the um, jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave it four stars. How many stars did you give it? Four and a half. Yeah, I gave it four, and I wrote, it's like if Wes Anderson made an episode of The Twilight Zone. I was so curious what aliens would look like in a Wes Anderson film, and Asteroid City didn't disappoint. Production design is brilliant, <laughs> script is hilarious, and the cast is superb as always. I also, someone kind of went back and forth with me on Twitter as well. We got retweeted by Asteroid City too, but I, but I basically copy and pasted that review and just made a tweet about it. Uh-huh. And then, uh, what was the back and forth? Someone wrote, because I wrote... um. That exact thing, and I mentioned, you know, alien, like what aliens would look like in a Wes Anderson movie. But thanks to Asteroid City for retweeting us, that was very cool. But then someone wrote, "Except the movie had nothing to do with aliens or science fiction, 
Then I wrote, what? There are aliens in science fiction in it. And then they wrote, it also had a train in it, arguably getting more screen time than the alien. It wasn't a movie about any of those things. They were props. What? Then, then I re- replied, it's not Mars Attacks, so I'm not sure what you were expecting. This is the film synopsis. This is the official synopsis. World-changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention in an American desert town circa 1955. Then they responded, the synopsis is wrong. Who wrote that trash? They obviously didn't watch the movie. The movie was obviously about the writer, director, and the creative process in putting together the play, which is why I hated it. The colored parts got in the way of the black and white parts. And so then I just responded, sorry you didn't like it, but I didn't make it. And then I did the SpongeBob, all right, I'm a head out. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's coming after me. Whoa. He's coming after my our tweet. It's about an alien. The synopsis there's, is there's perfect. There's a spaceship. But it's more about the town. It's, it's about the city. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, you know that it's about the people. It's not advertised yeah. as an alien movie. It's called Asteroid City. It's but about the But to say the there's no science fiction in it is ridiculous. But, and also, I mean, the synopsis is perfect. And the train is just, it's, it's not that much train. What There's a train in almost every it's, Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the title. There might be a train it's in just every... the opening title credits, really. Well, don't spoil for people. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um... There's more train in it than that. There is. There is way more train. train. Yeah, Anthony. I lied. I was just trying to. I was just trying to. No, no. Hate, go against that guy. But no, there's got ten thousand views on Twitter though, which is cool. But like, I I don't get the negativity and also coming after just my review of the movie. And I'm like, I, you know what? I, I didn't fucking make it. <laughs> yeah, they clearly just didn't understand the movie and they're they they're, but I mean, they're insecure about it. It sounds like he went into it thinking like it's gonna be a crazy space alien movie. But even if you watch the trailer, there's hardly. You don't even see the aliens in the trailer, and you barely even get shots of it. It's just a tease. But by the way, I love it was the design didn't the design of the alien did not just disappoint. Dude, it was perfect. it was great. I loved it. I'm like it was, it was so, so funny. This movie was, I, I definitely way more digestible than French Dispatch, and but still, I, I still probably put it mid tier for for his filmography because I still love Fantastic Mr. Fox. I love Grand Budapest. I think is his best movie. I think Royal Tenenbaums is really special. The thing with Wes is I think he peaked with Grand Budapest. I don't think he can do better than Grand Budapest. It's not that he peaked. I think well, that— not, Yeah, that's a weird way to with, say it. With Sorry. me, with Wes, and I, this was like kind of a return to the style that I love from him, of kind of just more of a centralized story, one main plot bouncing around here and there with a couple of story structures going on, which I think is when he's at his best. It seems to me that his last two movies, this and French Dispatch— have a less rewatchability factor for me versus uh, Grand Budapest. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom is, I think, more rewatchable. Ten and Bombs. Ten and Bombs is highly rewatchable. Yeah. Bottle Rocket, I love. I, I feel like a lot of his past films have a more of a rewatchable factor than French Dispatch <sighs> Asteroid City, well, in my I, opinion. My, um, I think this is rewatchable, um, but I understand what you're saying. And I would say it's because. His, especially his older films, they really are um, extreme. They can be very emotional and, yeah. and emotionally connecting. That might be why. Whereas his his recent films, you, it's hard to emotionally connect to the story and to the characters because sometimes it is a little too much dialed to 11. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. French Dispatch, I couldn't connect to anybody. Whereas his earlier films, they're very, very relatable, and you you love the characters. You know, you you, you really connect to them. Um so I would say that's why, because even Moonrise Kingdom, it's it can be very emotional and yeah. and heart and heartwarming. Whereas yeah. this, there kind of is like a, I guess a, a lack of emotion, especially in French Dispatch. This one's a little better. I think this is definitely more rewatchable. But um, 
I mean, it's just, I think it's just who he is and what he likes to do now. No, yeah, yeah. He's still an incredible filmmaker, and I, I love his. Movies. I, I I watch it for the filmmaking more than anything. Yeah. It's just inc- like his, his, his what he does is unbelievable. This it's, has a great opening thirty minutes. Yeah. it's really terrific. What he's doing with the camera and the sets yeah. in this movie are huge yeah. and so creative and interesting. Yeah. And sometimes, like, it's one of the one of those movies where you're watching, you're like, how the fuck do you do that? Yeah. It's so incredible. And then mm-hmm. there's great stop motion in there and puppets as well. And it's, it's really terrific stuff. So yeah. it's so well made. Yeah. So well acted. So many, co- so many characters. The, yeah. This that's have, also, yeah. I mean, that's a, a reason for not being able to, co- to connect because there are so many mm-hmm. characters such, it's such a big ensemble. Yeah. I think that it was great to see Jason Schwartzman kind of leading one of his movies again because he mm-hmm. hasn't had a lead role in he his films lead, yeah. in a while. Yeah. I feel like not since like Darjeeling Limited, he was kind of a lead in that. He's, I mean, of trios, but I think he's so perfect for the world and he he's phenomenal. He steals the show, man. He's awesome. He, I, I, I'm telling you, he did it Richard Dreyfus the whole time because <laughs> kind of. this is like very much inspired by Close Encounters. Clearly, mm-hmm. Dreyfus, Close Encounters, and but even his beard. And just his way of speaking, it was so Dreyfus. I loved it. Scarjo was terrific as well. She fit perfectly. Scarjo yeah. did a, a bunch of different styles of acting, and, and yeah. she was phenomenal. She yeah. pulled off like '50s actress, like Hitchcockian actress, so well for sequences, and then just a different kind of actress. So she, yeah, like a Tippy Hedren, and, yeah, then, was, and then she did a, the Long Island accent. Yeah, yeah. She, she she did a terrific job. She yeah. seemed to have so much uh, flexibility about what she was able to do, and so much creativity with this movie. But it's it's a Wes Harrison movie, so. It was very meta too. It's exactly what you expect. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know, four stars used to be a good score, and I still think it is a really good score. And I have eight no, out of ten, man. Yeah. Sometimes people are like only four stars. It's like well, it's because there's only, eight out of ten on yeah. IMDb is like a banger. That's like a top two hundred fifty movie all time. I'm telling you, it's because eight out of ten sounds better than four out of five. Yeah. It just it's just in our minds like there's only five stars, so. If you don't put that many, it's just like it doesn't feel the same as eight out of ten. It just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I I concur. I concur. But uh, we'll definitely do like a mini episode on this in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. It's give just ever, hardly anyone's seen it so far. Give everyone a chance to see it because it's just started getting released mm-hmm. widely across the United States and you, the rest of the world. You know what I want to see? I want to see Jennifer Lawrence's new movie. It, it looks, looks fucking hilarious, fun. and it's getting great reviews. But that tra- we watched the trailer last night in the theaters. We were cracking up. It was so, funny. Yeah, when we saw we saw Asteroid City, and I have been purposely not seeing recent trailers, so I haven't seen the new Mission Impossible trailer. I haven't seen the new Oppenheimer trailer, and I I've been waiting to see them in theaters. And those trailers blew my fucking hair back. They looked <laughs> dude that Oppenheimer trailer because oh I have because this is the one that has uh, Benny Safdie has a, has a line of dialogue in there. And as it's well. also it's got Ludwig's score in it. Yeah, which so, is like oh my. god. It was like three and a half minutes too. It was freaking incredible it's a long trailer yeah. yeah it was a long trailer and i've been dying to see it and i forgot that i hadn't seen it yet because i'm, I'm i saw the first two trailers in the imax one obviously but like i'm trying to do good about only seeing trailers in theaters like yeah, we yeah, used yeah. to back in the day you know and it was an awesome experience to just see the new oppenheimer trailer and then the new mission impossible trailer i haven't seen that one either that has the train and everything in it and that was fucking sick as well yeah. So and then, but that no. I love how they end that trailer with him just elbowing the guy's face twice. Yeah, it's great. And it's just like, ugh, ugh. I was like, yeah, but kick, kick that guy's the, ass, Tom. The Jennifer Lawrence trailer. What's it called? No hard feelings. No hard feelings. Yeah, it looks fucking funny. Yeah, it does. It like I was cracking up at the yeah. trailer. The kind of like comedies we grew up with. Yeah, she's great comedic actress. Yeah. So I'm actually I'm, 
At first, I was it's like, getting good reviews. At first, I was yeah. like, "This is kind of a weird premise," but now I'm like, "Whatever, let's go for it." Well, not he's, he's 19, yeah. so if it would be weird if he was a teen, if he was a kid, <laughs> yeah. if he was like 17, it would be terrible. But being 19, it changes. Yeah, I love a raunchy comedy, so I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, I definitely want to check it out. Raunchy comedy, let's bring it back. Dude. I was dying at the trailer. It was, yeah. it was hysterical. Just get the fuck in the ocean. <laughs> get the fuck in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, date him hard. You got one more on Letterboxd? I'll date his brains out. <laughs> I'll date his brains out. <laughs> yeah, I got my review for the thing. And you know there's a lot more cussing in it probably because yeah, it's yeah. radar, so yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see that version. Yeah. Um, it is funny because they showed a few other trailers and, that were comedies, and they did not work. The audience, silent. Not funny at all. Like I was like, I was like, this is comedy? Like this is modern comedy quotation marks. And then, but with no hard feelings. People were cackling. Yeah. So like, it's it's clearly it still works. You know that kind of comedy. People like it. So for the thing, I gave it five stars. Obviously, it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I wrote perfection. The thing still stands as one of the greatest horror films of all time. It always blows my mind to see how insanely good this movie is. Um, and then I wrote review next week. Nice. The thing is, because I've reviewed it uh, more in depth with other reviews. The thing with the thing. The thing with the thing is, <laughs> it is so perfectly made, and I'm talking every every aspect of execution. And obviously, the prosthetics and special effects and visual effects get so much love, which they deserve. But it's so well written and executed. Uh, the directing, the the slow burn, the reveal, the mystery. They're not. There's no force feeding of exposition. Things are slowly rolled out. And things, you see things, the first time you see it, you're missing things. But then it, when you rewatch it, you're like, oh my God, it gets so much better every time you watch it. And then you pick on little things here and there. But John Carpenter, it was just so well directed. It's so well directed. And it's perfectly edited. Ennio Morricone's score is obviously an all timer for, for horror in its simplicity. But my God. It's just so well done, and whenever I watch it, I'm like, modern horror can't live up to this. It really, it, it really is going to continue living on as one of the greats. And then, I whenever I show this to people, and then we watched it in a Discord party a few months ago, and some of the people who hadn't seen it before, they were like, "That was amazing!" Like, it's really, it's that good, and it it lives up to all the hype, and it, it deserves to be celebrated forever i mean it really is a perfect movie yeah it's one of the best movies of all time even though it's a horror sci-fi film which a lot of people wouldn't like put don't like putting those kinds of movies on those lists but it's so well paced yeah so well made god damn the slow reveals can <laughs> amen it's incredible it's so i can't wait to talk about it i was watching it last night i just kept saying i just kept like shaking my head like god jesus fucking christ Same, it's so man. good everything i was just like oh, so my per- god so what a perfect. fucking shot <laughs> so perfect everything it's just he's just teasing you yeah. teasing you man like the the ultimate building of suspense he's like as good as hitchcock at it it's, it's it is up it's definitely it's better than most hitchcock movies yeah honestly. it's it's incredible i mean and he teases you with the bomb under the table with the dog under the table so many things but we'll we'll talk about that in our main episode but how about we wrap our letterbox recap number four? That was right, great. Right here. Watch some good movies. Yeah, nothing but bangers, kid. Nothing but bangers. You gotta watch Tempo Po. Well, love I, it. I'll watch it, but not recently, soon. Because we gotta mix talk. up the letterbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. We gotta talk about yeah, other yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only, I think every movie I, I did, you had watched as well. Mm-hmm. So I gotta spice up and do some different movies. Yeah, man. So that, but I'm, it's, I'm gonna get to the movies that you're watching now in like a few months. 
Got it, I mean? got it, got it. You don't want to be repetitive. Yeah, exactly. Redundant. Yeah, exactly. Got to keep things fresh. That's right. Fresh. Shataya. All right. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into our Letterbox Recap this week. Yesterday, again, we had an incredible episode on Greta Gerwig, a.k.a. Greta Gerwig, in her film Lady Bird, which came out in 2017, starring Saoirse Ronan. Is an excellent discussion, and we love that movie so much. On Thursday this week, we have a great new kind of episode called a movie draft. A lot of y'all have probably seen movie drafts. It's similar to like a fantasy sports draft, but we were joined by special guests, the Spooky Tuesday podcast, a horror podcast. They came on the show. There were five of us, and we did a horror movie draft with films from the 1970s and 80s. It was an absolute blast. Basically, we went one by one picking movies from a list from that era, and we basically voted on who the best team was. And also on Spotify, you'll get to vote who you think had the best team. So don't miss that. It was a terrific time. Lots of fun. Lots of laughs talking about the best ho- era of horror. Not going to lie. I'm happy with my team. Yeah. I'm still Your happy about it. I'm elated about stacked, it. Dude. <laughs> team was, Anthony's team was sacked. Oh, my God. And then last week, we had some other great episodes as well. We did our Spider-Man 2 movies from memory, which was a lot of fun as well. as What else did we do last week? Taxi Driver. So nothing but bangers as well on Raiders of Lost Podcast in addition to our Letterboxd. Appreciate you all so much. Have a wonderful week, and see you on the weekly chat tomorrow on Patreon only, Movie News on Sunday. See you next time. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.